are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind-the-scenes juice on Charity's upcoming season of The Bachelorette and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. What's up, everybody? Welcome to podcast number 341. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good show for you today. It's one I've been looking forward to for a while. Well, ever since Jury Duty came out, which then led me down the rabbit hole to rewatch Joe Schmo season two from 2004, one of the marks on that show, Ingrid Weiss, is on the podcast today, and we will get to her momentarily. As I've hinted at all week, I think you might be a little bit surprised about Ingrid's reaction to being a part of the Joe Schmo show. First off, she doesn't like the term Mark. And I didn't know that. And, you know, she said it was okay, but it it kind of got, gets to her that she was a Mark because her and Tim Walsh were the two people that were put on a fake reality dating show called Last Chance for Love. Everybody around them was fake, and they thought they were competing and going on a show, making friends, and that's not what happened. Now, something does happen during this season. You'll hear us talk about it, and if you don't want to know like the quote-unquote spoiler to this particular season, especially since it involved Ingrid, then maybe hold off and go watch Joe Schmo season two. On YouTube, that's the only place you can watch it. But, I mean, we're 20 years past this. (laughs) If you don't know by now what happened to Ingrid and you don't know her story, it's kind of tough. I've been talking about this show literally since Jury Duty came out. So it's been a good month that I've told everybody, you got to go watch this because I'm going to have them on at some point. And it'll help you better understand it. But she offers such good insight to everything that happened on the show. It's just a little bit surprising of, yeah, just you got to listen. You got to listen to what she has to say, but there is a, a, there is a reason for it and I can't fault her. It's her experience. I'm not going to take it away from her. I'm not going to tell her how she should feel, but was I surprised when I heard it? Absolutely. Yeah. And it even, pertains to stuff that's happening today and where she feels about it. So whole thing is just, it's fascinating. I was so excited to talk to her. She was great. She was very accommodating. I think she's going to start getting hit up a lot as we get closer to 2024. When Joe Shimo season four comes out on TBS, I think people will start kind of reaching back and wanting to talk to the people who were on the original seasons. So her and Tim And Amanda will probably be contacted. I think you're going to be hearing Amanda and Tim on this podcast. Since we had Ingrid on today, I don't know if we're going to go and have Tim and Amanda on later on this summer, or do I hold them off until we get closer to the release of season four in 2024? haven't decided yet, but Ingrid's going to put me in touch with them, and I definitely want to have them on because Ingrid even admitted to me after the fact. She goes, Tim and Amanda had a different experience than I did. And I think you'll enjoy talking to them. Not that I didn't enjoy talking to Ingrid, because of course I did. But they just offer a different perspective than she did. In case you didn't know, 
Reality Steve Fan Appreciation Party happening tomorrow night, Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas. It's already sold out, but if you're interested in coming to next year's party, just send me an email, steve at realitysteve.com. Tell me you're interested. I'll put it in my email folder for party number eight, and I'll probably get a hold of you next January when I know the exact date, and I'll let you know, hey, this is when the party is. Are you still interested? Because I know some people, even though I've been promoting it for the last six months, I know some people, you know, I never know who's listening. I don't expect everybody to listen to every podcast I do every day. That's impossible if you do thank you so much but i don't expect people to so i never know who's hearing stuff for the first time and maybe every podcast that i did bring up the fan appreciation party you just happen to not be listening so i i have no way of knowing that so it's why i have to constantly remind people it's why i constantly have to tell people back in january and kind of floated it out there like hey this is this is when the party is going to be and um it filled up pretty quick, so it was very tough to, but it's open to everybody. It doesn't cost you anything other than getting out to Vegas and I guess finding a place to stay, but I don't charge anything. There's free food and beer and wine open bar uh, for the three hours that the party lasts, and it's just a way to connect, and it's just always been a giant thank you uh, to my listeners and my readers uh, for supporting me all these years. So Friday night. If you want to follow along, I'm probably going to go live on Instagram at some point, maybe during the raffle, or maybe I'll just post videos from the party and uh, just to, so everybody gets a, uh, uh, a picture of it or an idea of what it's like uh, to attend uh, the party. But anyway, it's a lot of fun every year. I've, I've always enjoyed it, and this is going to be one of the bigger turnouts we've ever had. So looking forward to it uh, this weekend. And finally, as I mentioned on the Daily Roundup, tomorrow's Daily Roundup, since I'm going to be out there, I'm probably just going to run my interview that I did with Stephen Fishback, which is a recap of the Survivor finale. It basically would have been a regular Thursday podcast, but, you know, the Survivor finale was last Wednesday. Do I really want to wait two weeks for you to hear Stephen Fishback? Probably not. I want to get it to you as soon as I can. So I'm just probably going to run it. I haven't made a final decision. But good chance I'm going to run it in tomorrow's podcast just because I don't know if I'm going to have 20, 20, 25 minutes of stuff to talk about in the Daily Roundup since nothing's really going on in Bachelor World. Contestants will be flying out to uh, Mexico this weekend as filming starts on Tuesday for Bachelor in Paradise. But other than that, there's not a lot going on, and I'm just not going to be as connected to the Internet and reading stories and stuff like that to get you some Daily Roundup stuff. So probably run the Stephen Fishback interview. You're really going to love it. I know a lot of you like when I have Stephen on. He's one of my favorite guests because uh, the way he is such an encyclopedia about Survivor, the current game, the past game, history, the guy knows all. And um, another fun discussion with him. So look, uh, look for that coming tomorrow in the Daily Roundup. And today's Daily Roundup is up in your feed as well. So anyway... Without any further ado, let's get going. Podcast number 341. All right, let's bring her in. Uh, she was one of the marks on season two of the Joe Schmo Show back in 2004. It is Ingrid Weiss. Ingrid, thank you so much for coming on. So great to talk to you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm a big fan of your, of your, uh, of all your work. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, I can honestly say this 
I'm more excited to record this podcast than any of my podcasts in recent memory. Like I've been looking forward to this since <laughs> so sweet. I was able to sit down and kind of go over everything and rewatch Joe Schmo season two. Um, all right, let's start here. The reason that I even decided to come in contact with you was this phenomenon that became uh, on Netflix that became a really popular show in the last month called Jury Duty, which was, you know, a mockumentary about they were tricking one guy into thinking he was filming a documentary about being on jury duty. And then I'm like, oh, this reminds me of the Joe Schmo show. And then after I watched Jury Duty all in one day, I decided <laughs> I want to start watching Joe Schmo again and and go back and remember, you know, I remembered bits and pieces of it. Obviously, I couldn't forget the pearl necklace part of the elimination ceremony but all the other things i'm like what was it again and who are the actors i wonder if they're famous now and then you know seeing some of them i'm like okay so the first question i want to ask you is did you watch jury duty well i i heard about it actually amanda who was one of my uh one of i hated being called a mark just a second ago but she was another mark (laughs) that's okay (laughs) And she actually reached out to me and told me about it. And I watched two episodes and then I couldn't do it anymore. It was too, I, I hate to say it, but it was a little triggering for me. Really? Okay. So yes. trigger, triggering in a, like a way where you, how did it trigger you? Like it made you upset? Um, a little bit. I think what it was is that when I was filming the show, I thought I was on this reality TV show making real friends Mm. and having authentic conversations with real people. Um, And then very quickly, (laughs) when, when when I figured out that's not what was happening, I was placed on the other side and became one of the actors. Yeah. Um, And it all happened very quickly and it's been years. But when I watched the show, I think what was triggering for me was watching this really wonderful guy make what he thought were genuine connections with these people. And one thing, and knowing that, that they were all just playing a part, it just kind of broke my heart. It just kind of broke my heart. I know people love the show. And yeah. I know, um, I brought, I, I said something the other day uh, to a friend and they got really, they love that show. They got, <laughs> they got yeah. really upset. So I was like, I better not say anything else about this. But it's, uh, yeah, it was just seeing, knowing what happens backstage when after these shows, when everybody's collecting afterwards, they worked all day. They were putting on a show all day. And I was just thinking I was connecting with people. And it kind of kind of hurt to see them doing that to this really wonderful guy. Yeah. I know it's all in good fun, but. Yeah, it is. And, you know, the ending of Jury Duty, when they finally tell him and when they finally tell Ronald what it is. And, I mean, it is every almost most of the cast, if I remember correctly, was was almost in tears. Um, because not because they felt like they, um, I think it was just a proud moment because he was, you know, obviously he was surprised. He had no idea. Um, but it was actually a really cool moment. And then they did a kind of like on your season, you guys had kind of a campfire discussion with, with Tim and Amanda when it was all said and done and sat around and talked about things. And they kind of did the same thing with him. They took him back. He met all the producers, he met everybody. And it was, it was more, it was, it was definitely a happy time. It wasn't, he wasn't pissed. He wasn't upset. He was obviously shocked, but I can, it is interesting hearing that from you. 
I didn't know. Like I was like, I wonder if this bothers her to watch something like this and to see it being done again. And clearly it does. That's very, very interesting. So, um, yeah, but if I may, yeah. I, I think what's interesting is unlike the other two marks, Tim and Amanda, they found out at the end. Yeah. I found out in the middle and then I got to hear those conversations <laughs> happening <laughs> that were happening in the morning when they were getting ready to go out and, and it was so it, I had this really unique position of having been on both sides. So these um, these conversations that you're talking about, it was you're talking about with the actors in the morning before and the producers are giving you your roles for the day. They were just like, hey, I'm going to fool Tim today or I'm going to play with Amanda's. I'm going to screw with her, you know, screw with her head and kind of get into her head or like that kind of stuff. I don't think it was set up that way, but they were doing a job. Yeah. And. I think for me and Tim and Amanda, we were just there to make friends and have an experience and have fun. And they were really kind of like trying to hit some marks, do some work. Um, they're actors. They wanted to get their scenes cut. <laughs> they yeah. wanted to get their parts in. And I know there was a very heartfelt ending to the first Joe Schmo yeah. with Matt. Um, and I've since had heard from him as well that, um, a lot of that kind of over the years, it, it wears off. You don't, th those are not friends for life, right? They, they were playing a part. And so the connection they were making with you is different than the one you're making with them. Yeah. That's all. Right? Got, gotcha. So, um, I did, I did love the guy they chose Ronald. He was a total, seems like a total sweetheart. And yeah, I think that part of me was just like, everybody is watching this, knowing that <laughs> this guy's being fooled. And there is, there's going to be some impact of that at some point. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, it is interesting because there is a part of me that's like, if they were doing it and I guess making fun of him during the process behind his back, I think that could be really upsetting. But it's more about they're making him a star without him, like, you know, kind of even knowing. And I will say this, and maybe this is, maybe this will ease your mind a little bit. Ronald has been, you know, doing the rounds as well on a lot of the media outlets to talk about his experience once jury duty got released. And he did say, now I don't know how long they're going to stay in touch, but he did say that James Marsden was the one after it was all over because Ronald was kind of freaking out about like even just going home. Like, are, are, am I still being filmed? Uh, are people following me or whatever? And he said yeah. that he had a long conversation with James Marsden and he said, James has been so helpful in in him getting out of that world and so that has helped and James Morrison didn't have to do that you know he's a he's a a professional actor and he could have just been like all right I'm done with this project what's my next one but I guess he has been in contact with Ronald and they and he says they still stay in touch so that helps a little bit that yeah. one of the people actually decided to actually stay friends with him you know who knows how long it'll last but um <laughs> <laughs> And if and I have spoken to some of the I have stayed tangentially connected to some people that were um, the actors actors on the show, and I think there was also some guilt on their part. Yeah, um, about the experience and part of what assaged that guilt was staying connected in some way for some limited amount of time. Um, but again, they weren't making genuine connections with us. So so. Uh, the relationship that they would have with us would be very different than the one we would think we had with them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think, and you know, here's the thing, you know, jury duty 
big hit for Netflix. And, you know, I, I that, that led me down the road to let me rewatch Joe Schmo season two. And then, oh, let me re- I want to reach out to to Ingrid, see if I can get her on the podcast. And then literally, what, a few days later, Joe Schmo season four is announced that it is coming back in 2024. They haven't had a new season since I think season three, the one that where uh, where Ralph played a. Um, it was uh, it was about like um, bounty hunter bounty bounty hunter like yeah that? that was like yeah. 2011 or 12 so I mean they're bringing it back after 12 years and clearly it's already been shot so we've we've seen the trailer um, the, this guy thinks he's on a show called the goat we don't know exactly what the premise of this goat show is but mm-hmm. it looks like a bunch of hilarity ensues yet again. Um, Considering you only got through two episodes of Jury Duty, do you think you'll watch Joe Schmo season four? Um, you know, I don't know. I heard that it. I, I did um, recently read an article that uh, I don't know if you saw this that was in the Pittsburgh Gazette, maybe about Ralph Garman uh, was interviewed on on the show, and apparently, it is not being done. Um, by the original uh, creators, mm. although it has been blessed by them, it, meaning they have they gave permission to use the Joshmo premise. It's not it's they're not involved in it. Um, neither is anyone that was from the original cast. So I don't know. I don't know if it'll be interesting. Yeah. I don't know if it'll be interesting. You just don't know. And this one, they have a quote in the trailer. I'm sure you saw it. Yeah. Where one of the actors is like, "Oh my God, this is so mean." Yeah, <laughs> she says, and there I was like, "Yeah, it is. It's a big old mean thing." Yeah, I don't. You know, part of what made Joshmo one and Jury Duty, I think, so charming is they picked these really um, lovable car- people that they wanted, and they gave them a hero's journey. They had to choose to edit it in a certain way to make them the star, make them make them look good, and. At any point, if they had gone the other way and kind of shown this person another side of the person, I don't think it would have been as interesting for people to watch. But you don't think you were being – you weren't mean on your season. Tim certainly wasn't mean. Like he- Not mean. No, no, no. We weren't mean. They gave us the same arc. Yeah. Although they probably had to work harder to give me that arc. Than- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but they, I think they've got that premise um, in the originals. I don't see that being uh, part of the preview I just saw for before. It didn't look like they were going to keep that same arc going for this poor guy. Yeah, um, yeah, it'll be. So I, I don't know how it'll go when you don't when you aren't rooting for the mark, so to speak. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm wondering if we are going to be rooting for him. And it, I mean, it seems like I don't know. It seems like we are. I, I guess we won't know until it starts, and I don't know why they released the trailer in May when it's not airing until 2024. It seems like, like, can we get this earlier? Like, why do we have to wait until 2024 to see this? Why are they releasing the trailer so early? Usually they do that, you know, a a month before a show airs, a couple months, not, uh, you know, seven months before the new year, so... I don't know. Yeah. Well, don't you think that's to sort of leverage the publicity from jury duty? I yeah, I guess. But now I'm wondering. See, I don't know when. I'm assuming jury duty. I guess I should have looked this up when it was actually filmed. If it was in 2023 or was it at the end of 2022? I don't know how long it takes to turn this stuff around. I guess it could have been filmed. I know it was filmed over 17 days. Was the 
was the total filming. Um, like 17 or 18 days is what I read. I just can't remember if it was early 2023 and it came out on Netflix in April or if it was end of 2022. But yeah, I mean, it's, you wonder which, I wonder which was filmed first. Maybe, maybe this Joe Schmo season four was filmed before they even filmed jury duty. I don't know. I don't know if it's interesting. Yeah. Because, because, because jury duty came out in April on Netflix and they just dumped the whole season. Like, Hey, here's eight episodes of our show. So now I'm wondering, did, was jury duty inspired because obviously producers and, you know, uh, uh, production companies all talk to each other. They all know kind of what the other one is doing. I'm wondering if, Somebody got a hold of, hey, they're doing a Joe Schmo show. Let's let's try something and and do it. Or Jury Duty was filmed and then Joe Schmo decided to, hey, let's reboot it after twelve years. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, I, I guess we can do some digging, but I, I want to get some digging. Yes, yeah. I, I see that it was shot in in Los Angeles. I think they also seventeen days. Yeah, it was twenty twenty two, and then okay, it's end of twenty twenty two. Then okay. But I think it came out first on a different network, and then it moved over to Netflix. Oh, it did. Oh, yes, thought... it was on Freebie or something like that, and then okay, no, I, I screwed up. It up. It, I screwed up. It was never Netflix. I was saying the wrong thing. Yeah, Amazon Prime Freebie is basically what it it came out on. I screwed that up. It was oh, never. That's okay. Yeah, it was never. They might pick it, it up never... there, right? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, um, I, no. If it's, it's on Amazon Prime, if it's on and Amazon Prime, great... it'll stay there. I can't imagine. I mean, the premise was the, the one thing that I remember from or that I thought was so clever was the premise yeah. for this, because I always wonder how will they ever do this again? Right. Yeah. <laughs> because wouldn't people know going forward, but to do it around jury duty, that was just brilliant. Yeah. Like, Cause you're cause like, you what? would never know. Exactly. My guess is he would. He, and th- then I was waiting. How are they going to get him sequestered? Cause they need to, they need to shut down his interaction with the outside world. Because I didn't get to go anywhere at night. I had to stay on premises, right? Yeah. And then they did the whole sequestering of the jury. I'm like, oh, they are tricky. <laughs> they really had to think this through. This, there was just a lot of planning that clearly went into this. Yeah. I mean, that's a, it's a really good premise that they thought of because, yeah, that is a way to get you away from your phone and outside world is, oh, hey, you're part of a jury. You can't. That's the way juries work. If you're on a trial jury, yeah. you know, so um, – yeah, it was um, it, it was a really good show. I, I I really I thought the payoff was was excellent. He was just as surprised as you guys were. Well, maybe not you because you figured it out somewhat. Um, but I do I do want to talk about you on this show. Sure, uh, you're gonna have to put yourself back in 2004 about what you were thinking at the time, and then there are certain things where I'll ask you about you know where we get to now. So you you, you're you're told you're going through casting. Yes. You're told you're on, you're going to be on a dating show, correct? They didn't hide that from you, did they? No, but it was like really quick. I mean, I didn't. I was out with some friends one night at a bar area in Washington D.C., and I was just I was in waiting and holding mode because I was on the list for the State Department and other organ, government organizations, and I was just hanging out. So it was a great experience for me because I was waiting for my number to come up on the list and I had nothing else to do. So they, they interviewed me. I did the, they filmed me on the street with my girlfriends. Um, and then within like a week, everything happened like that. Like within a week I was on an airplane going out and, uh, to some 
what I now know is like right next to the hotel, right next to the airport at LAX. <laughs> but back then I had no idea where I was going, what I was doing. Yeah. And there was so much mystery. Like, what are you going to, what kind of show is this? And they were constantly messing up their explanation of the show. Um, it was going to be a dating show, kind of like the bachelor. Um, that was the sort of main idea. Then I got there and, and they, in, in the casting room, they were, they kind of changed the premise and then they changed it again when I went out to the car and I'm like, what are they doing? <laughs> Sounds like they need to get their shit together. What are they doing? Yeah. Now you, you said you didn't want to be called a Mark, but when I have to, when I, when I talk about it and I talk about <laughs> okay. you and Tim, can I get, can you want me to use another word? I will, if you want me to. Oh, you're very thoughtful though. It's okay. okay. I think it just, it's true. We were. <laughs> so you get there and the first person you meet is Tim, the other Mark. So you two, are the first two that are standing there in the driveway, and then all the actors start coming in, unbeknownst to you, that obviously they are, they're actors. You ask one of the women how she got on the show, and she said her agent had called her the day before, and it immediately sets off alarms with production. Now they're freaking out because... So when she said it to you, it's not like you immediately thought, Oh, I'm on a show where everyone's actors and this show is going to be centered around me and and I'm not in on the joke. But so what did you think when she said that to you? Oh, that's a great question. I watch when I watch it back, I can see that I've gone up into my head. Like my face kind of freezes and I can see that my eyes are like <laughs> behind my eyes there's a lot going on. Um well, it was just it was just a huge red flag. It kind of popped my balloon. I mean, I thought I was going to be on this dating show and um, and I'm nervous. You're so nervous when you when you walk in. I'm sure you've done this, spoken to so many people who have done these shows and you're scared to death. And yeah. I mean, I was literally shaking um, and I'm standing there and I when I'm nervous, I talk. And so I started talking to everybody. Just, you know, you're dying to meet all these new people. And um, when she said that, I just immediately started walking through scenarios how is this possible do would, do they use actors in these shows i mean i the one mis one of the first mistakes they made is they assume that people that are not in reality tv shows understand what happens yeah. on these shows and so if i had with someone that worked in production i might think oh that's just normal they just hire some actors and they <laughs> but um but i don't know that and so i'm immediately thinking who else is really here? And then I told, I said this story in my head. I was like, okay, if anyone else that's here um, is an actor, I'm, my guess is they're the first people to go home and maybe they're playing some kind of mind games with us. So I kind of was putting this scenario together. Um, and then of course they eliminated all these, you know, these four people all at once. And she was one of them. And immediately I was like, okay, obviously these guys were plants for the first day. Maybe they're just trying to make a really good first episode and they're trying to set up um, this competitive factor for all of us. I mean, I'm thinking about what's the gaming, what, why would they do it this way? And then I just was suspicious from there on out. Yeah. Um, so as it's going along, you're picking up things here and there. The ultimate one that pretty much sealed the deal to where production had to make a decision of what they wanted to do with you was, was Cammy's thing in the bathroom. We'll, we'll get to that in a second, but as it's going along before we get to the Cammy part, what were the other things that you were possibly picking up on that maybe we didn't see? Oh, geez. I got to really go back in my memory here. Yeah. Um, 
There were, well, first of all, they, they jumbled up some of the filming. So it's not, it looks like it happened over like four or five days. It was literally within 12 hours that this whole thing happened. Cause they filmed like all of the first, uh, the first two episodes within the first 24 hours of our arrival. Oh. So it, ha- yeah, it happened very fast. Um, but that was, that one really kind of set me off to just look, just look carefully. But there is one little thing that happened, you know, when I arrived in town before we started shooting, they partnered me with some production assistant to stay close to me in the days before filming and kind of help me out with whatever I needed. Yeah. And she said to me, I was talking to her and I said, um, talking about her family member or something like that. And I said, oh, he was trying out for a reality TV show or something. And I said, oh, that's wonderful. So as someone who's in the industry, what, what was the advice you gave him? And she said, well, as someone who's in the industry, I told him, don't even think about it. You never know what show you're actually going to be on. <laughs> and she, I don't know if, if they ever realized, but her saying that immediately made me think, oh, why would she say that to me as I'm about to go on a reality TV show? Yeah. And then they changed the name of the show. Within a few hours of our arrival, they reveal that the name is Last Chance for Love, which, of course, we didn't know that was the name of the show. Mm. And I was so upset. I was mostly just worried that I was on some show where I was going to be the, well, that I was going to be ridiculed or, or what had come out that summer. It was like, the one about the, I'm not going to remember, Average Joe. Average Joe. They had Beauty and the Geek around that time as well. Yes. Yeah. And that was the one biggest fear I had. So after she said that to me, I'm like, oh, crap. What if I'm on <laughs> What if I'm on Average Joe or some show where you're going to find out that I'm just the average ugly girl that it was, it was just killing me. So when I first arrived and met everyone, I was looking around to see if everyone was going to be average or... <laughs> And thank God for Cammy, or I would have thought I was on average job. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that. I never really thought of it that way. It, it's it's interesting, but when you when you get into the filming and Ralph, Derek Newcastle, the host of this show, comes out, the first time you saw him, or even the first couple times that you saw him, was anything? Did you pick up on anything with him? Did you think? This guy just seems like he's playing a character. Like that doesn't seem oh, totally. like real hair. Okay, so you did totally. see it. Okay. I mean, it's it I mean, but that's in my mind, that's TV, right? They're putting all these characters in front of us. I thought they were just trying to make it fun. So I didn't think that was strange. The I guess once you know, the first thing we did was this cocktail party. Yeah. Um and there was one moment in the cocktail party where Ernie and Ralph uh, or Steve and Ralph <laughs> had this exchange and it felt very scripted. And I think I let out a really awkward laugh, but there was just something about it where it felt like they had lines. They were practicing lines back and forth. And I remember thinking that is so weird um, that they would know, have that exchange like that. Uh, it just felt acted. And I just, again, I thought, well, it's TV. Maybe they did do that. And so in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, how much of reality TV is real anyway? <laughs> which, is, which is very little. <laughs> um, but back then, we didn't know that. Didn't know, back yeah. then, we thought, you know, I had grown up on the real world. I had friends that lived in the real world house in Seattle. And it was real. Yeah. Like you're, it, was, it was a real life. And so I just thought, this is, there's not a lot of realness. <laughs> 
fear. But the but I didn't think the people were fake because they were just so uh, such full individuals. Their characters or whatever they were just very full. Off screen, on screen, they had a lot to say about their past, their lives. Um, but then a few other little things kind of bothered me. One of them was uh, one of them was was that I when I was in my bedroom, I was in there with um, uh, Eleanor yeah. at the time, and uh, there was some talking going on outside. And within a moment of me saying, "Oh, Eleanor, come over here and listen," that we can hear the the production group talking. Within a minute of it. They came and shut everything down. And I was like, that's such a weird reaction. And why would Eleanor care if we were listening to production gossiping about their workday outside? So that kind of alerted me a little bit. Um, but obviously the very first pearl <laughs> necklace ceremony. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's so hilarious. I, 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 I still going to kick out. So, okay. Were you, were you picking up on... The outside, of, I mean, Pearl Necklace is like an 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 over the top sexual innuendo. Of were, course, were you picking up on the up on the subtle ones when every every time Derek spoke and he's talking about your flame and your wick, and I mean, were you picking yeah, up on that yeah. as well? Okay. Oh and, yeah, and you, and you just thought, hey, this is just a very, I don't know, they're making it. Did you think it? Did you think they were trying to make the show funny, or did you think they were trying to make it sexual, or what were you thinking when you were hearing all this stuff? This is just corny and stupid. Like, I don't know. What was going through your mind? Yeah. To be honest, that was my sort of secret fear was, oh, my God, I'm on a I'm on a budget version of The, <laughs> of the Bachelor. Well, te- um, it technically was because there was no traveling. You guys never left the freaking mansion. Yeah. I mean, I had this fantasy that I was going to just go get pampered in Bali or something. <laughs> and here I am going to the strip mall to get my nails done. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think both Tim and I caught on that stuff. It was it, we just thought it was kind of a cheesy, corny. They did tell us it was going to be on the Spike Network, so I knew there was going to be innuendos and okay. things like that. But I did have in my mind there's going to be a line they cross where um, I won't feel comfortable, and I'm going to have to say that. Had they not converted me over to an actress, there is no way they would have gotten me to wrestle with a stripper. In <laughs> I would have said I'm I'm going home. You like, mean, there would have been limits to how far I would have gone on that stuff. You so, mean you mean you wouldn't have gone in a bikini, dumped your face into a vat of mashed potatoes to pick out a hot dog and put it in a bun? You wouldn't have done no, that. No, I would not have. <laughs> and I have yeah. much often after that I wondered I would never have done that had I not known that if I had not been now being paid as an actor. But I also uh felt like I felt my values were so torn at that moment because I'm like, this is really wrong. It's not a funny. Ge- I, I mean, I have all these issues about, um, you know, my gender and I'm thinking this is really inappropriate, but I'm going along with it because <laughs> everybody else is going along with it. Yeah. And I would not have done that had I thought I was just a real person on a real show with other real people. So, yeah, that it's is just an interesting thing. The peer pressure. And and I was going to say that earlier when you were talking about uh, the interviews with the guy from jury duty. Yeah, there's there's a sense that you are supposed to think this was really funny and you are supposed to go along with it right up until, you know, production ended and the touring ended. It was like you, you've got to play the part. Um but once those cameras leave and the interviews stop, you're left with some – you got some new thoughts, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, 
for this is this is a production question that I had. Us as viewers, sure. us as viewers, every time Derek appeared on the show, we watching the show hear the horns playing and stuff like that. Did you guys hear that as well or no? Oh, totally. Oh, it I was. Think, okay. Yeah. All right. I didn't know that. Yeah. It was all just total cheese and fun. Like we were like even when that poor falcon would fly down. <laughs> Montecore. It was just it was just all part of the of the shtick and we all played along. I mean, you can see Tim and I both laughing under our breath. I mean, we just we're just having fun with it. At a certain point it was so ridiculous that you just you're chuckling to yourself and this is clearly some sort of little production thing that's going to help make the show fun and more fun to watch. Well, that was that was the thing. Like at the first elimination ceremony where we first find out like, well, what do they do? And obviously the bachelor hands out roses. Austin, the guy who was playing the bachelor on the show, was handing out pearl necklaces and then we see Tim giggling. Um I think you you were giggling as well and and then went for the guy's side, it was, you know, dipping your wick in her flame and stuff like that. And it was just, I mean, it, as a viewer, it's hilarious. In 2004, it was even funnier. Uh, you could never get away with that now. No, um, <laughs> you could not. <laughs> not a chance in hell could you do that now. Um, but back then, I, I mean, it was just it was just accepted. It's, it's weird. Different times. Obviously, it was 20 years ago. It's crazy to think that. But um like I said, the, I think the biggest thing, the biggest turn for you, and I guess for production as well, is Cammy pulls you aside and into a, into the bathroom. Cameras follow you guys, and Cammy tells you that she saw that she shot before the show a softcore porn called Porked and Beans, and and at that point, you something went off in your head. And there, I, I've heard I heard you tell the story, but I want you to tell it again to to my audience. Go go over that whole conversation with Cammy, where she brings you into the bathroom and tells you this, and you're just like, "Wait, sure. what?" Right. Well, I mean, this was like uh, post. I, I don't know if your um, listeners would remember the Sarah Kozer story. That oh yeah. <laughs> Right. I mean, I, I, do, I do. At that time. Yeah, I do. I certainly remember. And for those that right. don't, it, so for those that don't, Sarah Kozer was on the first season of Joe Millionaire. And what it was, was um, they showed a scene of her walking into the uh, forest with the Joe Millionaire. And then they played a bunch of slurping sounds to make it seem like there was something sexual going on in the forest when it never happened, essentially is what it was. Yes. And the other piece of it was that there was some sort of news that came out later that she had shot a softcore porn video or something in their efforts to kind of uh, create a story about her. And I remember reading that and I thought uh, there was (laughs) and there. So that was on my mind, that most recent uh, reality show that I had seen. And then um, prior to, in the signing of the contract, there was this funny line. I mean, I went through that contract. They really picked the wrong person. I went through that contract line for line for line. Oh, my god! I read every tiny detail in it. And there was one line that said that you would be filmed at all times unless going into the ba- uh, unless you were in the bathroom, unless someone came with you into the bathroom. And then they would be able to film you. And I was like, what a weird thing to put in the contract. 
Right. And that's exactly what Cammy ends up doing. And then all of a sudden she's like, Ingrid, I need to talk to you. And here's this woman that has not really connected with me this entire time. And suddenly she feels the need to, to see me privately in the bathroom. Yeah. And of course, because we're both going in, in comes Raul, the cameraman. And she proceeds to say, I have to tell you something. And I'm thinking, why? Why do you have to tell me something? <laughs> she's really worried that this um, soft porn, uh, soft core porn video is going to come out. Um, and the, the, I guess that the, that the job they gave her was to get out the name of it, which was porked and beans, yeah. um, which was very funny. But, uh, she, the, the idea that she's telling me this with the cameraman, but then something happens. The camera runs out of film and Raul stops, puts his camera down and starts to change out the tape and Cammy stops talking. <laughs> Yeah. Once he refills the canister and gets it back up on her shoulder, she just jumps right back in with the story. And I was like, what was that? Why are you telling me this? Why did you need it filmed? Obviously, if you're telling me and Raul's sitting here, it's on camera and everyone can see it. But that part, I, I would have maybe just thought had something to do with the intelligence that they were trying to paint her with. But the fact she let him change out the tape and then she just jumped right back in with exactly the same tone and everything like a professional. And I just, boom, right there. I was like, this woman is a professional actress. Okay. So you think that, but you still aren't, you're still not thinking I, Oh, this is what I wanted to ask you. Cause you just brought up the Joe millionaire show. You said, you know, you were well aware of reality TV at that time. Uh, Joe millionaire was on, uh, you mentioned, you know, average, average Joe, Joe being the geek. but they clearly when casting the two marks for this show had to somehow know that you had never even heard of Joe Schmo season one. Correct. Well, yes. here, here's my question. Had Joe shows show had the Joe Schmo season one aired before you guys started filming or do they film like two back to back so they could get away with it and nobody no. could have seen it. It was out. Okay. It was but out. They, it, when they did our interviews, when they had us come out and they, they, they had us fill out this questionnaire asking what kind of reality TV shows had we watched. Please check all the shows below that you've seen before. And what I think they were doing is checking on our net, like which networks we watched and stuff. Yeah. I didn't check anything on Spike Network, obviously. I didn't even know Spike ne what Spike Network <laughs> was. Yeah. But I, I had seen those shows and The Bachelor and things like that. But I wonder now if on that form had been Joe Schmo. And if they had been, uh, because they were trying to find out, there were a bunch of questions like, have, what's your favorite reality TV show you've ever seen? What? And then they didn't, when we came out to meet with them, they did another interview where they asked those same series of questions. So I think they were checking and I'm not sure about this, but I do wonder if Matt Gold was there that day and they were, because there was a certain point where they tried to, one of the, in the audition, they, they had us go on like fake dates Oh, okay. And they filmed them. Yeah. And so I I was supposed to just meet this person and they had a camera there. And I wondered, I was trying to think back to it, but I was like, I wonder if they sent Matt in at some point in the thought that we might notice him or recognize him. Um, all I know is one girl got sent home immediately after her interview. <laughs> <laughs> it's very possible. She's like, like, 
what did she do? Yeah. You know? <laughs> and I wondered if maybe they figured out that she had seen Joe Schmo. Yeah, it's very, or she might have just said like, oh, one of my favorite reality shows is Joe Schmo. Yes. And then they're just like, yeah, we're going to have to move on from you. We'll go somewhere yes, else with this. She got sent, it was like the interview and then the date and she didn't make it back from the date. And I was like, oh, <laughs> what happened? So you and had- I wondered, you'd have to ask Rhett um, and, and Paul, but I think, I think that they left, that they were really worried that somebody would know the show and that they put something into that interview process to test, to test it. I'm so, not sure. So you had never heard, you had seen the other ones, but you had never even heard of a show, let alone seen it, something called the Joe Schmo show. Nope. Okay. I had never heard of it. I mean, and same, I with, Tim, back then. same with Tim, I assume. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we didn't have streaming. Yeah. However, Amanda was from Pittsburgh. Which and is where she, Matt was from. Yes. And she had certainly read about um, the show at that point. Yeah. And so I think in later, there were a couple times we talked later. and She's like, yeah, I, I think I have actually heard of the show. She wasn't, she didn't watch it, but she had heard of it. And she also knew um, one of the actors. She had gone, she had paid to go see her stand-up show. Yeah. The drunk. Thankfully, at that point, she was gone before Amanda. But if, I, if she had been the first Mark, it would have gone down right there. <laughs> yeah, because when, when they brought back everybody for the final ceremony, Amanda even says it on camera. I know her. I've seen her stand up before, but she like yeah. said everything had already been everything had already passed. So the cami stuff happens, and then production basically has a meeting that we all see as viewers. You obviously don't see it, and they're deciding what they're going to do with you because they think that you're onto it, and they think even if they take you to the end, when they finally reveal it to you, you'd be like, yeah, I kind of knew. Like it, you know, it was one of these things where because they want a more of a big surprise at the end of somebody who's completely clueless to what is going on. And they felt that you were on to everything. You clearly didn't know you were on the Joe Schmo show. You clearly didn't. I don't think you thought last chance for love is not a real show. And But you were, you were curious enough to where they said, all right, look, we have to tell her what we're doing and we're going to give her the option to take her $100,000 and just go home or stick this out become one of our actors and obviously you ended up staying on becoming one of the actors. Was that a difficult decision for you knowing that you were going to have to play and fool Tim and then subsequently Amanda, when she came on the show, was it, was it a difficult decision or were you like, I mean, you made the moment, you made the decision in the moment at that elimination ceremony where they revealed it to you. But were you like, "Eh, gosh, I don't know if I want to do this. Well, I think at that point, it was just a funny show. And I think that both I I could see that Tim was not heavily invested in in Valerie. um, And I could see that he was not. There was just this idea of, well, we're already out here. (laughs) And it's, it's this fun experience. In the moment, you're caught up in that euphoria of that. Never. It was never really a decision about are you going to fool someone? I mean, the way that everybody else was. Uh, in on it it was just a, it was like an improv experience yeah. it wasn't until later that I looked back and thought wow I wonder how Amanda might have felt about me making that choice but it just felt like I was not much one interesting thing is that and you'll see this in jury duty too and that's one of the things I found triggering the whole improv cast is revolving around the mark and so you feel really important 
Yeah. <laughs> you feel like you're you're really funny and you're really interesting because everybody's revolving around you and what you say. There's like a there's like a a, a, a kind of a, a what is the word orbit around the mark. And when I was in that moment, I was still the I was still the mark that everybody was orbiting around. And then as soon as I kind of joined the cast, now the orbit was around Tim and Amanda, and I got to see sort of the other side of it, but. But the uh, at the time, I was like, this is really fun, and I feel really funny, and these are really great friends. And then you flip to the other side, and it's like, oh, this is just a show, and <laughs> guys are just actors, and they're going home at night, and I'm so jealous. <laughs> so you, you decide, obviously, to end up staying on as one of the actors. You join in, and they bring in Amanda, you know, I... Like you said, it was really early on, a lot earlier than because I think on the show it was episode four when Aunt Amanda gets brought in. But you're saying Amanda was brought in within the first 48 hours of filming or a little bit later? Oh, gosh. You know what? I don't remember. OK. Um, there was at least two evenings. I mean, those pearl cer- uh, the ceremonies took place at night. Yeah. So there was at least so, two. Right. We, they told yeah, you at your we- second one, I think. Um, it was the second, so they had the, the, the women and then the men and then the next one. And then the next one was, and that was yeah. the one they told you. So they, I think I was on night three, but at that point, as you were talking about at that point, there had been, I didn't fathom that the entire show was for me. It was very clear to me that Tim was quite an authentic individual, but, um, and I felt, uh, confident that the conversation that he and I had had in that first day, that this is, this is not someone who's an actor. But I was now turned on to the fact that there was an actor on day one. Now there's an actor in the main part of this cast. So I think it was a matter of time before I started just putting down now, which I was in my mind, like who, which people are actors, which people are not, and looking for the clues. In addition, at those ceremonies, they were um, they were so rehearsed, those lines. Like uh, the, the idea that you would come to an elimination ceremony, which we knew nothing about. We didn't even know what we were going to. We were just told to put on a dress. <laughs> And then we get there and somehow these three people have perfectly memorized statements <laughs> to make to the bachelor. I was like, yeah. what? And especially, I'm sorry to say, but Cammy has a perfectly memorized statement. Yeah. How did you even know they were going to do statements? Like that's, that to me was a huge flaw in their, in their thinking. And each of them had like, you know, I get it. The next night I had one, too, because <laughs> I now know that that's what you do. But I have watched reality TV. I've never seen anybody expect to have a statement like that. None of the girls and none of the women or the men on The Bachelor uh, had little little statements like that. So how did they know that? Um, but, yeah, so now we bring on the like the third night after the reveal, I sign up. And I'm nervous. What am I going to be asked to do? But there was never really a sense that I was going to have to betray someone or I wouldn't have gone along with that. It was more just, you know, we're, we got all these fun scenes we want to play out. Do you want to hang out and watch or do you want to go home? I'm like, yeah, I want to hang out and watch. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, right? it's, it's one of these things where, like, I think the best part about Joe Schmo to me was that while the show revolved around playing a prank, essentially, on you and Tim and Amanda, they weren't making fun of you. Everything around you was just complete silliness, and they were making fun of, like, the reality. It was like they were making fun. They were parodying The Bachelor, essentially. They were making fun of the reality TV dating show world. You guys were not being made fun of, although you were 
not in on the prank. I that's why I felt like that's that's why I guess I'm surprised because I didn't feel like they were ever mean to you or or, or mean to Tim or Amanda. You you were just a pawn in their game. But I, then when I think about the like you said the relationships that you're thinking you're making and then realizing oh it's yeah it's not that's that's the part I didn't think about. But the good part well, but- to me was that you weren't made fun of. Like you said, I was so worried I was going to be the butt of a joke for a full season of the television show. <laughs> but I yeah. was the butt of the joke, Steve. No, I meant like, I, you remember you saying you were, you were worried you were going to be the geek or you were worried you going to be the average yes. joke. Like I was very relieved. I wasn't that. Yeah. But like, I do have to say behind the scenes, once I joined the other side, so to speak. Yeah. Remember I got to hear the conversations that happened off camera. Yeah. And I, I got to hear the way that they were talking about us off camera and so there was very much a disassociation we were marks and there was just a lot of language around that and a lot of and just and I have to get my role out and it was just like it was a bit of made me a little sad like here mm. we're just we're just this uh thing you have to play off of we're not real people which is so ironic because it's reality tv right Plus, there were some there were some moments where I was referred to as the Bon of Satan in the uh, <laughs> confessionals. I think I tortured them um, <laughs> in their minds. Uh, so while I wasn't certainly the show didn't revolve around making me look like a fool, um, the the cast was was uh, definitely they unfortunately I hate to say this, but they just weren't as excited about us as we were to be on the show and have this experience. Huh. That's what I'll say. I'm yeah. trying to be very politically correct. <laughs> no, I, I, that's, that's interesting. I, I mean, I, I just assumed when you went over to the actor side, you got that a sense, you got a sense of them and you became, you were allowed to be better friends with them because you were now one of them. And you're saying it really wasn't like that. Yeah. And I do want to be thoughtful because they were playing roles. They were on a job and yeah. they are who are who have honed their craft i mean look at someone like jessica makinson she's been doing this her whole life and here comes this person they plucked off the street with no absolutely no experience in acting and i'm suddenly getting the the headline over them and i'm suddenly getting um uh, i'm gonna play in these scenes against these brilliant comedians i've never done anything like that and so i think that once i join them i'm like I'm I'm some I'm some amateur uh, swimming in the sea of of incredibly talented uh, individuals. Yeah. So I think it was a for them. I just became I went from being the center of their universe to <laughs> to this really annoying fangirl, <laughs> right? Well, did, and so the, yeah. I was gonna say, did you did you get close to any of them? Or was it even though you were an actor, you were you you became an actor side, and you know they're professional actors. You were just an actor for the remainder of the show. Did you get to bond with any of them? Did any of them become a friend? Because now it wasn't they were acting with you. Because I don't know. I guess I was just like, did you become friends with any of them, or was it still kind of this distance of hey, we're the actors here. You're you got turned because you figured this out. We're, you're still kind of on the outskirts here. 
I would say it was more like the latter. Okay. I think I was actually scary to them because they're improv actors whom they all have worked together. They've been rehearsing for this. And in comes this new person that they didn't plan for. And I could screw it up. I could kind of, I could say the wrong thing at the wrong time. I could let out the wrong piece of information. So I think they were really um, more annoyed. I will say that after the show, there were, there were a few people that I've at least stayed like Facebook friends with and exchanged emails with. I ran into Steve Mallory, um, who's just like the most wonderful human being. He's just a wonderful person. I ran into him at the Santa Monica Pier when I moved out to LA. And he played, Um, he played Ernie, right? Yes. And he, as he is in the show, was just kind and open. And, uh, and he, he's married to one of the, uh, one of the best friends of Melissa McCarthy and a brilliant writer in her own, um, world. And, uh, I just, for a minute, I thought, I just moved to this town. Maybe, maybe Steve and I will become friends. (laughs) And it was just, no, we're being nice to each other because we both went through a war together, right? But it was yeah. wonderful to see him. Um, I've actually stayed uh, co- I've stayed connected somewhat to John Huertas, who was very genuine and authentic on set as well as, I mean, offline, he would have real conversations with me. Um, and then since the show, we we're, we tangentially, I mean, I'm honest, I, we're Facebook friends, right? Yeah. Um, and so those two, I've actually stayed somewhat in touch with. And Jana Speaker, who played Cammy, um, she and I also stay connected on Facebook. I had a, we had had some actual exchanges, and um, but nothing. I actually have a funny story that um, I had when I was living in Manhattan shortly after the show came out. Oh God, it, it was probably about five years after the show came out, and I um, I put my place up to sublet my apartment in New York. <laughs> Mm. And, and one of the women who wrote, one of the people who wrote me said, I want, I, I'd love to come see your apartment. I'm only going to be there for a few months. Um, I saw you had a Joe Schmo poster in your house. Where's that from? And I said, oh, I was on the show. And I looked down at the signature and it's Jessica Makinson. And I never heard from her again. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I think she was like freaked out that I was going to. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Why wouldn't she? If she, I mean, she. Why wasn't she like, oh, Ingrid? Great to be in touch with you again know, after five right? years. Like, I think for them, I was not. I don't. I don't think that for them, I was uh, that much of a part of the experience. Huh. Right? Wow. I think for them, I might have been a threat to the experience, and they're trying to get their really cool scene out that's going to make it on YouTube or whatever. They're they're trying to do their bit, and here I come, and I'm trying to be funny with them, and I'm not. And, and I'm trying to play along, and they're like, "We're trying to do a thing here. Can you just move to the side?" Well, speak, uh, speaking of uh, John Huertas, did you watch This Is Us? Of course, yeah. I was like, "I know who that is." Yeah. Well, it's funny because obviously I watched Joe Schmo season two when it aired in 2004. I watched all of This Is Us from beginning to end, but it wasn't until two weeks ago when I went back and watched Joe Schmo season two. Did like you put it together? Yeah, I didn't remember that John Huertas played TJ. You know, I just I didn't remember the characters in my head. The only one that stuck out to me, the only one that I remembered in my head was was Kevin, who played Bryce the stalker, because he was so his character was so far oh, out there. I just remembered funny. his face and what he looked like. I I didn't remember his name was Bryce on the show. I didn't know what his acting name was. I just remember if you were to have asked me before I rewatched it two weeks ago who were some of the actors, I would have been like, there was that one stalker guy that was tall and scary. 
That was all I remembered. Yeah. You know, but yeah, John, I never would have guessed. Like when I turned it on, I was like, oh shit, John. Miguel, yeah. Miguel, Miguel was on Joe Schmo too. I didn't know that's where that's he got his right. start. Hey, uh, I know that these was... guys were. This was a group of actors who had worked together at the Groundlings, I, I believe. Yeah, um, I mean, these were top-notch uh, comedians who were performing all the time, and this, this is a, a world-class group. Kevin Kirkpatrick, who played Bryce, is a pretty phenomenal um, improv actor. I mean, he's got. Uh, he's, he's like the gold standard out there. Like, and I'm standing next to them trying to pretend, you know, trying to do improv with these brilliant folks. And, uh, I, it kind of blows my mind. Um, but yes, he's, he was amazing. I find Jessica Makinson hilarious in everything I've seen her in. And now I see her everywhere. She does commercials. She does voices. She does TV shows and, um, Natasha Leggero. Huge fan of her yeah. now that I know who she is, right? Uh, but these are really, really funny people. Jonathan Torrens has this huge following in Canada. Yeah. Whenever I meet someone from Canada, they're like, you were on that show with Jonathan Torrens. <laughs> <Right? laughs> well, th- this is, I mean, you know, when I, when, I, when I look at it and I'm looking back on it and I see everybody that was on this cast and you're like, wow. I mean, this is obviously people, like you said, have gone on to do other things and have had a really, you know, interesting career from it. Some have done really well. And, you know, John Huertas, like we said, played Miguel on This Is Us. But, you know, once once you got to the actor's side, when you met with production to go over, okay, this is what we're doing today, did they just give you beats you had to hit? Like, hey, at some point today, be sure to do this. Or at some point today, or did you have to memorize lines? No, it was just little beats, like you said. Okay, so it was just simple, yeah. basic stuff. And like keep that. in mind, most of my time was spent in confessionals. I'm sure your other reality TV people will tell you that. Like you spend hours in these confessionals, yeah. and I got to sit down with Paul Wernick and talk about my <laughs> stupid day and whether or not I have a connection with. Yeah. And now that I know Paul and Rhett's work and what they've done, I mean, he must've just been dying inside. I think sometimes he was tr- having, he was trying to get me to say certain things and you know how they, they do that. Yeah. Um, the other person who I find really left a mark on me was um, Palin Chow. And she was the, one of the producers, but she stayed, she stayed connected to me afterwards. She checked in on me. And to this day, she stays, she still um, actively engages with me on social media and stuff and cheers me on. She's a really uh, amazing woman who's um, done incredible things for the Asian community with film and, and TV. Very, very cool. Um, I, yeah. I, when I'm, when I'm thinking back to this, obviously we, we talked about this, this was back in 2004. It was in the early, early advent of reality TV. So nobody would even think why would this be fake or, you know, why am I being pranked or something like that? It it just wasn't on people's mind. Joe Millionaire had aired and stuff, and that was the first one, but it was still very early on in reality TV. Now everything's been done, but I think now looking back on it, one thing that stuck out to me when I rewatched the fake, um, you know, last chance for love show it, that I noticed is yes, there weren't extravagant dates and there weren't, um, you know, you weren't traveling to different countries and different cities like The Bachelor and Bachelorette. But the other thing that I noticed is even when you did get some sort of alone time with Austin or Tim got alone time with Piper, there was unless they didn't show it, there was never any makeouts. Like there was no Oh my god. There was nothing ever connecting. I was like, okay, but 
could that have been a was that something that I was like, okay, if if they think they're on a dating show, at least put them on dates where I don't know, you can unless that would have been too mean to actually fall in love with somebody on the show and then be told, "Oh yeah, by the way, I never liked you. This was all for TV." Cuz you said Tim didn't really seem to be falling for Piper. You certainly weren't falling for Austin, but there were never any makeouts or did they just not show that? <laughs> they definitely did not have makeouts. Okay. I think that that was part of that was there was an ethical undertone that Rhett and Paul talked about at some point that they really didn't want us to fall in love. Okay. That was not something they wanted. That would have been and there cruel. Was no way you could have. I barely had two words. I mean, it was so awkward in the when they were like, "Do you think you could have a connection with?" And they were trying to make fun of how quickly people connect on these reality TV shows. Yeah. And I, I there's a scene where I'm, you know, I know your other um, guests have probably said this, but. The producer says something to you, and then you have to repeat it back with yeah. the words they used. <laughs> so I'm I'm watching myself. I guess I could say that I could have a connection with <laughs> with this guy, but they wanted me to phrase it that way so that they could get the word connection in because that's what all the people on The Bachelor say is connection, connection, connection. Yeah. Um, but they really didn't leave you alone with the person. I mean, I didn't have one single genuine conversation. Um, with Austin, with Austin, it was just like there. They wouldn't leave us alone with them, and it again. I think I probably would have left the show if if any because he was he was just not a full person. He was always and he wasn't very likable. He didn't seem like he was looking for a real relationship. That everything just, it was he was off. He was off, and so smartly, most of the interactions that they had were with the other cast, and we rarely saw the Bachelor and Bachelorette. On the other side, Valerie, um, who uh, uh, played Piper. Gosh, yes, thank you very much. Who played Piper? She was very real. She at least was authentic. I had more conversations with her than I had with Tim. I think Tim was terrified <laughs> that one of us, like that, I would actually connect to him. I mean, they all had wives or husbands or relationships, and so none of them were. So yeah, I think he was a little nervous, um, but he was not trying to connect with me i was like i don't know how i keep making it past these eliminations because this guy hasn't spent two seconds with me <laughs> i mean but the thing is tim who played austin the bachelor he looked yeah. like somebody who could be the bachelor like he was you know he had he looked he had the hair he had the jawline like he looked he's a good looking guy you know he he looked to me like he could pass for one but like you said it was just i'm watching it back i'm like i understand they're not going to travel but there's, there's there's no making out here. There's no dates. I don't even know. What? What? It was just like. And I was in my prime. Believe me, <laughs> I noticed. Like, this is a long time to go without any making out. Right? Yeah. And, just, <laughs> and nobody did it. You know, Tim clearly every time. I mean, Tim kissed Piper on the cheek a lot. I did notice that. He would always give her a kiss when he hugged her. But other than that, no. I mean, there was no. Not even the actors. Not even the other. Not even like you guys getting connected. Because I think that would have been cruel. That would have been cruel yeah, if they made you fall for that. Cruel. And yeah. they were worried about that. But keep in mind that Tim will tell you this if you'd speak to him. Yeah. Tim, Tim was drinking a lot. Oh, he <laughs> like, was? There was pretty much alcohol going at all times. You know how it is with these shows. But Tim was drinking a lot. He was there for spring break. He had broken up with a woman right before he came who he ended up going back home and marrying. Oh, really? So I think he was here for the, he was there for the spring break. He was there for the final fling, you know? 
And so I don't think, I think he really wanted to try to connect with Piper. I think that in his mind that that was, uh, he was making the effort to do that. But I also think he had a pretty good batna going into that, (laughs) that. you know, I don't think he was trying to find the love of his life. Um, Considering that the woman he left behind has been the, uh, the woman that he will spend the rest of his life with, I think he understood that this was just a fun final fling. Well, I I think one of the things, and you talked about Piper, you said Piper was a a real person, you know, um, Valerie who played Piper. The one thing that once the, everything was revealed and you guys were having the powwow and everybody was sitting around and everyone was explaining to you the things that went on. Piper was the one actor on the show who got very emotional. You know, she started crying because she felt she betrayed Tim and Tim was like, Hey, no, don't worry about it. And I, I don't think Piper was acting in that sense because it, you know, Everything had been exposed at that point. She had no reason to fake tears at that point. Um, I really do think that she felt bad for what she did. Is that the sense that you got? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I My my meter at that point was very <laughs> – my bullshit meter was on all the time for the next, like, three years. Um, and here I was thinking, having seen them all prep for the scene, they were all very worried that – that people viewers at home would watch and see them in a negative way because they were very nervous about being seen as jerks who played a prank and the first one had had such a warm heartfelt uh ending i think that there was some pressure to to bring that same warmth into the end of season two so i do think that there was some calculated acting on everyone's part Mm. um but that being said, I'm sure that Valerie, um, I felt Valerie was a very um, kind and thoughtful person throughout the experience. And even on that night when the cameras went off, she she's, she was just a very authentic individual. So I don't know. I don't know if that was acting or not. If so, that was very good acting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had <laughs> me fooled. I think fooled. they needed it. I think they needed that little moment of drama at the end to sort of bring in some of the thoughtfulness that they had in the first season. Um, so I, I don't know. They, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I just told you I bought it. So they had me <laughs> fooled. You know, I felt well, it was definitely on her mind. Like she would come back from the, I, I will say that she would come back from the dates and she would be very upset. Like, I really don't want, there was a scene where they're in the car where the camera kind of cuts out and stuff. And she was terrified that he was going to try to kiss her in the car. Oh yeah. I remember um, that. Yeah. I remember that. And she was really nervous. She just did not want, I think she was concerned about what does that, what is the ethics of this? So yeah, I mean, those tears may have been genuine for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's fascinating. I mean, like I said, I, this has been a good hour conversation in regards to the show. And like we said, Joe Schmo season four is coming out in 2024. Who knows if you'll watch it? Um, I I'm one thousand percent gonna watch it, and then I'll give you a heads up on on if you should tune in. But um, for for those that the, the other thing I wanted to talk about with you is just your life since the show. Sure. So what? Sure. So what job were you involved with in at the time? Um, I know that you are are married with kids now. Tell everybody what has happened in your life post Joe Schmo. Yeah, well, when I did the show, I was living in Washington, D.C. I was on a list for a variety of government jobs. Um, mm. The State Department, I had taken the test and passed and was uh, had a number 
I think I was number eight. Um, <laughs> but I was very worried about what would happen when the show came out, came out and if that would impact my reputation and my ability to take a job as a uh, member of the State Department or otherwise representing the U.S. abroad. Um, and I, that nervousness led me to take a consulting job in Manhattan. And so I, I ended up kind of moving away from government jobs, although I still did missions for the government for about a decade. I would do um, quarterly missions in various places like Albania or former Soviet Republic of Georgia. I also did a lot of work in Bosnia and Herzegovina. What, and, what, kind um, of, what kind of work were you doing in these countries? I have a master's degree in international affairs. I worked in huh. negotiations and conflict resolution. And I was working in Bosnia and Herzegovina to try to bring communities together that sort of uh, I was into to trying to trying to get different communities to, to mix. So bringing mm. different groups that had previously been at odds together to work on other things other than reconciliation. Holy um, shit. I mean, I, I say this right now. That's not a background of somebody who goes on reality TV. Like, you are <laughs> right? overqualified to be a contestant they in reality that TV. Too. That's crazy. Right? They, they should have known uh, that you were going to be on to them. You're way I too mean, smart they knew for all show. that. Yeah. They knew all that, and they still took me on. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but interestingly enough, so did t Tim has like a father who is, uh, I don't know, I don't want to, there was someone in his family that had like CIA background and stuff like that. And oh, wow. I remember them talking about that too. But um, no, I then went on to work for a consulting firm in Manhattan. I eventually started my own firm. I do consulting work uh, with organizations around the world, um, helping them develop their leaders. So I teach conversational leadership conversation skills, not teach, but now I kind of consult with the companies and I have a whole firm of, of amazing people that go out and, and uh, do workshops and help people to develop these skills. That is, that is awesome. That is very, very impressive. Congratulations on all that. So when you, how did you, okay, first off, how did you meet your husband? <laughs> That's funny. Um, I was living in Philadelphia and uh, doing an assignment there. And there was a little bar down at the corner where I would go uh, at the end of uh, big work assignments on dates. I would bring all of my Match.com dates there, especially if they were bad dates, because there was this really <laughs> cute bartender. And then if the date was a bust, I would flirt with the bartender, um, who I assumed was foreign because he rarely spoke and had a bit of an accent. Uh, it turns out he was from Oklahoma and lived with a bunch of Italians, so he had picked up some of their accents. What a bummer to find out that he didn't <laughs> he was actually from Oklahoma. Um, but I, we, he and I became friends very quickly, um, turned into a romance, and we got married and had our, our baby in Philly and then moved out to L.A. almost 13 years ago where he was doing grad school. Um, in, at uh, UCLA, my company was launching a West Coast um, presence, and I put down roots with the with with Axon Arrow Coaching, which is the name of my company, and uh, and started building out. So by the time he finished graduate school, I was already established in this space, and we've lived here now for thirteen years. So I guess the million dollar question is when you guys started talking and became a couple, had he known anything about Joe Schmo too? Oh God, no. He had no idea, huh? Nobody. It was, it's such a blip. 
You know, it was such a blip in the radar for me. I don't, one funny thing happened. I was, I was sitting in a cafe in Slovenia about two and a half years ago, right before COVID of all places. And this couple is staring at me and they come up to me. And at this point, mind you, it's been what, 17 years, something like that. Right. And they're like, you were that girl from <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. I feel like that was so long. Who the hell would remember that? That's It's just these random moments. <laughs> what, was it a Slovenian couple or a U.S. couple in Slovenia that noticed you? That's a great question. I did, they didn't really want to hang out and talk. Uh, I, okay. <laughs> I would have. I would have been like, oh, hi, how are you? No, nope, yeah. that's it. Thank you. <laughs> But besides that, and maybe a couple of like subway shout outs, because, you know, they advertised heavily in New York and in L.A. I was living in Manhattan. So for a while, there was a bus stop that I would wait for my bus at. um, And my picture was up there. I think they had (laughs) forgotten to take it down. It was up there for a good two years, this poster. And I would stand next to it. (laughs) You know, my time was done, you know, in with the next. In with the next, and I was like really grateful that I didn't hang my hat on uh, on any kind of career in yeah. <laughs> in TV or movies because it was just it's in and out, and the next thing is on, right? So how many how many years after Joe Schmo did you marry your husband? Well, uh, Joe Schmo for me at least was two thousand was it two thousand three that I filmed it filmed it and aired in oh four and aired in June of oh four yeah okay thank you for that uh, <laughs> so we are coming up on twenty years. And I I met my husband in 2007. Okay. So, um, yeah. So I was I don't I, I don't think in New York you know it's there's so many people so many things I just don't ever remember it being a big deal. I that one summer it came out I did feel a little bit like a rock star. Yeah. Um, but it was so fleeting and it went by so fast. Um, you know I did a couple of uh, talk show things, but then it was gone and it was like. You know, it's kind of like spring break trip that you had uh, <laughs> with your friends and you have fond memories and then it's it's gone. But every once in a while, I'll be doing a session on a stage with like 5,000 people in the audience and someone will come up to me afterwards and be like, I knew it. You're that girl from Josh. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of embarrassing because I'm building a career in another space. But. Well, I mean, there was no social media back then, obviously, uh, when this show. So obviously, you couldn't capitalize on Instagram yeah. or Twitter or anything like that. But were you were you ever approached by to do another show or approached about any opportunities just because hey, you're the girl from the Joe Schmo show, we really liked you, we'd like you to do this, any like hosting opportunities, anything like that were presented to you and you turned them down or no? Um, there were a couple things here and there, but I was hot and heavy on this State Department track. So I was really worried about branding myself in that space. But honestly, it wasn't that big of a, it wasn't a huge hit when it came out. It was not, it wasn't something that everybody was talking about. Like they were with the first one or like they are with this jury duty thing. Yeah. At least it didn't seem like that to me. I did a ton of interviews and things like that, Yeah, but I don't think it quite caught people like the first one did. Um, and so I, I had some opportunities here and there. I mean, I saw, I saw the guy from jury duty in a commercial with Ryan Reynolds. Did you see that? He's already been in a commercial, Ronald. Yes, oh, Ryan Reynolds 
used him in his uh, whiskey campaign, I think. Oh, okay. And he's got a line in it where he's like, it just doesn't seem real. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's really funny. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't surprise me because Ryan is, uh, of course, uh, with Deadpool, he's friends with Rhett and Paul. And, and so that association, I'm sure they said, hey, you should get this guy to come do this. Ah, um, okay. But uh, so, no, not really. I didn't get it's not like I missed the train. But I will tell you now with all the social media and everything, I, I mean, I, I follow your I follow your blog here and there. And I see how competitive people are on those shows about oh, yeah. really jumping off into some other world. And back then, that was such a pipe dream. Like the idea that you could do that was not really realistic. Um, now, I guess you really can. But <laughs> but oh, yeah. back then it wasn't. And. Thank God, because I, I mean, what would I have now, 20 years later, if all I had was a bunch of followers and, you know, I'm not sure I could have made quite the impact that in the world that I do now with the work I do. So yeah, it would have sure. been a huge distraction. And the only way you can even watch your show, like you said, is is on YouTube. It's not on unless somebody has the DVD, but it's not on any of the streaming services. You can only watch if you Google Joe Schmo season two or Joe Schmo two on, on, on YouTube. Um, I just wanted to end with this cause I didn't even know. I mean, obviously I know you have kids. How old are your kids and do, have you showed them this? Well, fun fact, it is, it was for a while on Amazon. You could get oh, it was? TV okay. Collection. I don't know if maybe they just sent it to me because, uh, because I'm in it and on the cover, but so we have this little, of course, we have a minivan. So we have this little minivan with the cameras in the back. And that is one of the most viewed videos. My kids love to watch it. My daughter, who's 13, she just thinks it's hilarious. My son oh, really? loses interest. But my daughter just thinks it's so funny. So, yeah, they watch it from time to time. Um, they'll pop in an episode and I'll hear them back there with their headphones on laughing and they'll tell me, they'll ask me questions later. But yeah, it's a big funny joke here. But, you know, for me, it's just an old story behind so many other stories of things. You know, <laughs> it's just one story. When, you're, when your husband watched it for the first time, what was his reaction? I, you know what? I didn't watch it with him, so I don't know. I should oh, ask okay. him that when we <laughs> hang up. But, you know, there's a couple bathing suit scenes in there, which yeah. I remember being very nervous to film. But now I'm like, I'm so glad I did that. So now I know. <laughs> I was 30. I was already in my 30s when I filmed that. Oh, you were? Oh, gosh. Because yeah. I don't think I they ever like, said the ages of you guys on like that 32. show. 32. Another reason why I was like 30 in my early 30s. So I was not uh, someone that was looking for lots of, I, I don't know. I was just, I was, I was already in an older bracket and dating for different reasons and in a different space in my life. So no, I hear you. Um, well, I have a feeling that when 2024 rolls around and Joe Schmo, whenever it starts in 2024 on, on TBS, this uh, season four rolls around, I, I have a feeling that you and Tim and Amanda are probably are probably going to get contacted by podcasts and media outlets just because we haven't seen this in 12 years and it's a way for them to go back and be like, Oh, remember, um, you know, and, yeah. and probably, and probably contact Matt. I wanted to be the first one out of the box to do it. I mean, it's been, a, I don't know how many you've done. I haven't seen many. I know there was one, uh, there was one YouTube that I, uh, interview that I saw. I think it was, I don't know, three, four years ago. I don't remember the date of it, but, um, 
But once I saw it, I was just like, yeah, I want to get her on. I want to definitely have Tim and Amanda on in the future and just kind of go over their experience as well. But yeah, I, I, I can't, I can't thank you enough, Ingrid. I, I didn't even know how I was going to get a hold of you. I was just like, well, what if I just type her name into Facebook and see if she's on there? And that's how I, <laughs> and that's how I find you. I'm like, yeah, this has got to be her. No, everyone knows how to find me. You just <laughs> <laughs> I was like Instagram I, or LinkedIn and there you'll find me. I And I had no idea if you, I had no idea if you had gotten a new last name, if you were married, had kids, I had no idea. So I was like, I'm just going to type in Ingrid Weiss and see what it comes up. And I, put it in on Facebook. I messaged you. You got right back to me. And I, you know, I, I can't thank you enough for doing this. Like I said, it was, it was what I was looking forward to for a long time because this is literally, um, outside of survivor this, your particular season, just because of my coverage of the bachelor, I thought it was genius because it made fun of the bachelor and, and reality sure. dating TV shows. So I mean, it's perfect for you. Yeah, it was, um, I am honored. I am honored to be here. And I'm just so impressed by what you've built for yourself following things you're passionate about. You were really at the forefront of sort of reality TV boom and watching how you've used that and the fan base to kind of keep people talking about what's happening and what's interesting in this space, I think is really admirable. So I'm delighted to be talking to you. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. And, you know, good luck to you with everything. If you can go finish jury duty, I think you might. I think you might like it, but I understand if you don't want to. Um, and then, like I said, I'll give you a heads up, or maybe even Tim or Amanda will give you a heads up on um, whether or not you want to continue with uh, with season four of Joe Schmo in twenty twenty four. But uh, anyway, Ingrid, I can't thank you enough for coming on. I really appreciate it. Good luck with everything, and thank you. Uh, we will be in touch. All right, sounds great. Thanks, bye. Well, that's Ingrid for you. I really appreciate that interview. I, like I said, you heard me talk about it numerous times over the last few weeks, ever since Jury Duty came out, and then I said I needed to go back and watch Joe Schmo 2. You can only watch it on YouTube. Google Joe Schmo 2. Episode 1 will pop up, and then once that episode ends, you go on to the next one. Just a very, very funny show for its time. As we talked about in this podcast, it's certainly one that cannot get away with some of the sexual innuendos and compromising positions they put people in on that show. But in 2004, they could. We all laughed. We all thought it was hilarious. It's still funny today. It's just you wouldn't be able to do this type of show today. Although, hey, when season four comes out in 2024, it'll be interesting to see exactly what boundaries they push. And how they present this guy. I think his name in the season four, I think his name is Matt. I could be wrong. But anyway, thanks again to Ingrid. Uh, I can't thank her enough for doing this. This was uh, a lot of fun. And ever since I rewatched, I was like, I got to get her on. And then I'm probably going to have, I'm definitely going to try and get Tim and Amanda on at some point as well, who ended the show as the marks uh, of season two. So Thanks again to Ingrid. Thank you all for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. It is very much appreciated. Subscribing is the best thing that you can do because it builds my subscriber base and it allows um, you to know right away when my podcast is up. So do that. It'll help me out. I'd really appreciate it. And like I said, as you're listening to this, um, tomorrow night is my party in Las Vegas, the Reality Steve Fan Appreciation Party. It's sold out, but I have one every year. I'm sure it'll be in June of next year, so if you're interested, um, 
you know, I probably won't know the date of next year's party until probably January of 2024. But looking forward to it. I'll probably do something on Instagram Live or post stuff uh, just to so people can see pictures from the party and whatnot. Uh, a lot of fun. If you're going, can't wait to see you there. If not, follow along on my Instagram. I'll probably do something uh, tomorrow night. Uh, anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it, and I will talk to you tomorrow.